Hey, welcome to the Root Cause Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Jones. On this podcast, we go in depth with leading experts from all walks of life to understand and improve your health and well being. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Paul Herkel all about concussions, traumatic brain injury, and post concussion syndrome. Now, I know a lot of you have experienced a hit to the head at some point in your life, and you probably have questions about what to do, especially if the symptoms are long lasting. Dr. Herkel is a naturopathic doctor with a special interest in neurological health, chronic pain, and brain injuries. He's a member of the Scientific Advisory Board of Complete Concussion Management, an international leader in research-based concussion management education. He's the co-founder of the Concussion Fix Program, a course that we're gonna touch on at the end as it's designed to help people like you who are struggling. Now, I've been able to pick his brain, pun intended, for many years, so it was an absolute pleasure to have him on the show today so he could share his knowledge and expertise all around concussions and your brain. Here's a clip from today's conversation. Most people, 90% of people that get hit in the head that have a traumatic hit to the head have a mild traumatic brain injury. So the vast majority have a concussion and CT scans will come back totally negative and they'll usually by process of elimination carry the ER doc will send them home and say, you know what, you have a concussion, go home and sleep and rest and don't look at screens and maybe stay off work for a week. And that's the first area where the clinical mistake is, is made, unfortunately. So the latest research shows that you want to rest within the first kind of 24 to 48 hours. But after that, you don't want to rest much longer. You want to start moving around to capacity because the brain and the body are now already starting to kick into repair mode. This is just a small taste of the amazing show we have for you today. Hey, before we get started, I want to talk to you about something that comes up pretty often on this podcast. And that, of course, is lab testing. You see, testing is one essential way to understand the root cause of an illness. And if you're an integrative or functional medicine practitioner, chances are you are placing a ton of orders with a ton of different labs. The Root Cause Medicine podcast is created by Rupa Health. And Rupa is the best way to order, manage and track results from over 25 different labs in one single place. Thank goodness, no need to create and log into multiple portals ever again. So if you are a practitioner, make sure you go sign up at rupahealth.com to create a free account today. Now, let's get on with the show. Dr. Paul Herkel, welcome to the show. Thanks, Carrie. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. Well, you're the first person I thought of because as I had said to you, my husband and I were watching the Olympics and we watched this Japanese female snowboarder take out a chunk of the half pipe wall with her head. And I, after my initially panicked, my first thought was, oh, thank God, I'm, <laughs> Dr. Herkel will be on because everyone's hit their head, maybe not that extreme, but I thought she's going to need some serious TBI workup right away. So I'm glad to have you on here. It's such a pleasure to be on to talk about what I love treating with my patients is concussions and especially post-concussion syndrome with people that just don't get better after they sustain a concussion. Yeah. So actually, why don't you give yourself a little introduction, tell people who you are and what you do and what you stand for. Yeah. So I'm an naturopathic doctor. I practice in Toronto, Ontario. 
I've been doing that for about a decade or so. I also have four kids. We have three kids and the fourth one on the way. And so that's a, the most important thing in my life. But right close after that is, is really providing the best quality care for my patients. I've also worked in the nutraceutical world for the last eight years and really only in the last kind of two years focused 100% on clinical practice. So I have a lot of experience in kind of applying nutrients and botanicals for in functional medicine and naturopathic medicine. And I was always a big sports guy, Carrie. So Mm -hmm. I love sports medicine. And I also had this kind of like burgeoning passion for neurology and the two intersected in, in concussions. And that really is where kind of, I would say definitely in the last five years, that's been like my sole focus. And so not only do I see that in my practice, but I also teach other clinicians, especially manual providers and other functional medicine providers, and also have a course, which I'll talk about at the end called Concussion Fix which does address all the kind of different multifactorial approach that you should be taking to heal your chronic concussion symptoms. So it's really been something that I've really focused in on because it's a huge need, Carrie. It's massively, massively under appreciated and undertreated. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So let's start there. Let's, why don't you start everybody off in the same playing field? What is a concussion? What happens to the brain? How is that different or the same from a traumatic brain injury? Let's just sort of, in your words, what do you tell your patients? Sure, yeah. So first of all, I actually don't see acute concussions that people come to me because they've not been able to figure it out by anybody else. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I wish a lot of what I'm going to share with you today was talked about earlier. And one of the big blind spots we have in conventional medicine is that we the research hasn't caught up to clinical practice. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that shortly, but basically what a concussion is, is obviously an impact to the head and or the neck, because the neck plays an incredibly important role in a lot of the symptoms. For example, a lot of people will experience things like dizziness. Mm -hmm. They're going to experience light sensitivity. They're going to experience vision changes. And there's a, a really strong connection called the cervical visual reflex between the neck and the eyes. So it actually might be coming from a person's neck because the head might get hit and then the neck is obviously impacted. So to be honest, Carrie, the diagnosis of a concussion is a little bit vague because it's actually a clinical diagnosis. There's no testing that can prove you have a concussion. There's a lot of big money being looked at that to try to figure out, is there a biomarker we can look at to see if a person has a concussion when they're ready to come back from a concussion, but we have not found anything conclusive in the research on that. Which is just to that point is really too bad. Yeah. Unfortunately, right? Man, that would help so many people. And maybe at some point we will, Carrie, maybe at some point we will find that. But right now, like, as you're going to see, there's so many different factors that play in the role. So it's an impact to the head, it's trauma to the neck and the surrounding tissues with a concussion, there's, it's sometimes called a mild traumatic brain injury, Carrie. And so okay. those two terms are synonymous. Okay. There also are, is a moderate and there's also a severe traumatic brain injury. And those are a person usually loses consciousness for a very long period of time. There's usually some sort of damage to the skull or surrounding areas. And that's the first thing when a person does get a hit to the head we want to rule out. And so that is an emergency-like situation. So most people that get a slip and fall or get a hit in the head in football or whatever it might be, they usually go to the hospital 
because the symptoms don't have to come on right away. Like you might hit your head and you might kind of feel a little weird or wonky, Mm -hmm. but you don't have to have all these symptoms like a headache that comes on immediately. You can have dizziness, headache, ring in the ears, brief loss of consciousness, uh, neck pain, but there's a lot of shock and there's a lot of those traumatic hormones that are secreted. And a lot of times patients will report that their symptoms didn't come on till hours or even days later. Yeah. And they went to the hospital and the hospital's job is to make sure that they don't have any one of those extremely emergent conditions like a brain bleed Mm -hmm. or a skull fracture or a central spinal cord uh, damage situation or cerebral spinal fluid leak, all those types of things. So obviously, if you've hit your head, you want to go get it checked out at your local emergency room. They'll usually do a CT scan and they'll make sure that structurally everything's okay. And then you should also be monitoring yourself and maybe having someone in your family, if you feel like you're out of it, to also have mm-hmm. be checking in on you to make sure that you don't have any of these symptoms that might develop later. Sometimes they are not, these symptoms are not obvious right away mm-hmm. and they develop after two or three days where a person might get kind of like two black eyes that might happen. That might yeah. be to do with like an internal skull fracture that was missed. So most people, 90% of people that get hit in the head that have a traumatic hit to the head have a mild traumatic brain injury. So the vast majority have a concussion and CT scans will come back totally negative. And they'll usually by process of elimination carry the ER doc will send them home and say, Mm -hmm. you know what, you have a concussion, go home and sleep and rest and don't look at screens and maybe stay off work for a week. And that's the first area where the clinical mistake is, is made, unfortunately. So the latest research shows that you want to rest within the first kind of 24 to 48 hours. Mm-hmm. But after that, you don't want to rest much longer. You want to start moving around to capacity because the brain and the body are now already starting to kick into repair mode. Mm-hmm. So anyways, does that give you kind of a good understanding of concussion in general? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I'm actually real. I had a friend, she was swerved to avoid a deer and ended up rolling her car. And she, within a couple hours, she used to work for me. So she let me know, here's my car upside down. (laughs) I'm fine. Right. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm a little banged up, but I'm fine. And I was like, I doubt it. I bet once that epinephrine wears off, I bet you're going to feel pretty crummy. No, no, I'm fine. And by the next day she was like, I'm not fine. I have a headache. I feel dizzy. I am extremely tired. She had all the symptoms. And I think that's really important for people to know who are listening. Obviously, we're going to get into the long, the post-concussive syndrome. But if somebody's listening to this because maybe they play sports or their kids play sports or it's wintertime, and if you do hit your head and you're not, you don't have a headache or you're not dizzy immediately, you still, like you said, it could take hours to days to manifest some sort of symptoms. Yeah, it is. Those first 48 to 72 hours are very critical for all the things we just talked about mm-hmm. and making sure that the worst case scenario hasn't occurred. Right. That being said, a majority of people get a concussion. And out of that 90% of all the people that get a traumatic brain injury, about 70%, anywhere between 70 to 90% resolve within two weeks, Carrie. Okay. Two weeks. So the brain and the body have a very powerful way of healing themselves. And so Let me just walk people through what's happening in the brain, because this is actually quite fascinating. Yeah, please. Especially on kind of a functional medicine perspective. So as soon as you hit your head, there is stretching that happens to the actual nerves in the brain. 
And there's obviously, it depends on how you hit your head. It depends the way your neck whips. You might also have whiplash that's occurring. And so there's that stretching basically automatically releases a number of these excitatory neurotransmitters or excitatory toxins, if you will. Mm -hmm. So for example, glutamate is one that is really, really well known. And that glutamate basically is stimulatory to the cell, to the neuron. And there's a ton of calcium that rushes in and the cell is trying to rebalance itself. And so what it does is that it, it blows all of its energy, the ATP on trying to rebalance itself and pump all that calcium back out. And it basically runs out of fuel within the first couple hours. Wow. And what happens then is that that's when you get a depression in mitochondrial energy. So I'm assuming your listeners will understand what mitochondria are, because I'm sure you've talked about it many times. <laughs> and if you haven't, check out uh, Carrie's Instagram. I'm sure that he has, <laughs> there's tons of stuff there. That's a little plug for your IG. I appreciate that. Love it. And so my, the mitochondria is really important at regulating a lot of this stuff, and it just can't keep up. Mm-hmm. And so then you get this state of my brain cells are fatigued. And then that culminates in all the symptoms that a person might experience. So yeah. they're fatigued, they have sleep disturbances, they're not able to, their memory's off, they're light sensitive, all the things that your cells normally will be able to handle. At the same time, Carrie, so as this is happening, so we have a cellular energy deficiency, then there is an inflammatory response that happens right away. And that inflammatory response is that the sentinel cells in the brain, the immune system mm-hmm. is, goes into high alert. These are called the microglia okay. and they're yep. specialized immune cells in the brain and they start spitting out inflammatory molecules and they are really easy to turn on and they're hard to turn off. Yep. And what's really fascinating is now observing the research coming out on the connection between the gut and these microglia. And so what we're seeing that within three hours of sustaining a concussion or any traumatic brain injury, the more severe it is, the more severe everything I'm just talking about occurs. Mm -hmm. So within three hours, your gut actually becomes more leaky, becomes permeable. There's a message that goes down. We know the gut-brain axis is very intimately connected the, Mm -hmm. the to the brain and the gut. And that leakiness is, I think the theory is, is that it, it helps create an inflammatory response because we know inflammation is helpful for healing. Mm-hmm. And then the body resolves that inflammation within that two weeks. Okay. But a person's symptoms doesn't necessarily correlate with the person's metabolic return back to health. That's really important to understand. Well, that's not fair. No, it's <laughs> kind of like everything above the water looks okay. Like my symptoms are good, but under the water, there's a big iceberg still lurking. Mm -hmm. And that is an issue that I see over and over with my patients where they might get initial bump or concussion, Mm -hmm. but then they accidentally go back to doing a sport or accidentally hit their head on a cupboard and they get a second hit. And that's when a lot of the symptoms stay for longer. And so that's where the inflammation hasn't fully resolved. The mitochondria haven't really gone back to normal. And so they eventually do all the kind of everything kind of normalizes within 30 days after. But my, mm-hmm. one of my first kind of takeaways would be don't rush back into doing something that where maybe you could get re-injured. And this is especially important for athletes yeah, because there is an, a window of metabolic vulnerability that's different than maybe symptomatic presentation. Okay. Do you have a timeline on that window that you tell people a general timeline, even though I know everyone's different? I say about two weeks. Okay. I say about two okay. weeks. Now it's might be different if you are 
an NFL athlete and your team needs you back, they do have protocols Mm -hmm. that I work with a lot of. So I work with a network of clinics that have been basically trained on, and I'm part of the faculty that train them on the metabolic side on how to deal with concussion. So they deal with a lot of the acute side. Yeah. There are ways of telling if you've actually metabolically recovered. One of them is called a Blackhawks treadmill test. So it's an exertion treadmills test because it was originated by one of the Dr. Letty in Chicago, who is actually one of the, was working with a Chicago Blackhawks hockey team. I was like the hockey team. (laughs) Yeah. And then they basically came up with this exertion test where you basically need to get on a treadmill and slowly increase the the intensity until you're basically at your max heart rate. Okay. And if that does not bring on symptoms, then you've basically stress tested your metabolic uh, capabilities and you're probably back to normal. You're back to functionality. Okay. 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 So that's a way. So maybe for a person that doesn't have access to a professional training team, Mm -hmm. you're physio or chiropractor could do this for you mm-hmm. in their office. And this is something that family doctors and nurse practitioners and neurologists don't really do. So mm-hmm. if you've had a concussion before you go back to doing regular things, see if you can get up to that, that a higher heart rate and to see if symptoms are brought on. This is for acute concussion. For acute. But make sure you're monitored. Don't just get on your treadmill at home and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's better if you're monitoring because somebody has to look at your hurry, but you could kind of do it. But I would say it'd be best with somebody yeah. that knows what they're doing. Cause you don't want, you, last thing you want to do is you trip and fall on it and you're not yeah. ready because you get dizzy and yeah. then it happens. Right. Of course. Of course. So that actually brings me to my second kind of takeaway point. So if somebody goes to the hospital, they get checked out, you know what? So-and-so you have a concussion, everything's fine on the CT scan. You go home and symptoms start coming on and you start moving around and maybe going on light walks and trying to challenge yourself with activities they living within 48 hours, not staying in a dark room and mm-hmm. avoiding every single stimulus. Because the research shows those people, it takes longer to get better, Carrie. That's what's so clear right now. And that's not being told. And that's, which is so good to know, because that's not what was taught years ago. Stay in a dark room. When I was a kid, I rode horses. I was thrown into a tree. And that hit concussion. And it was that lay down, dark room, no stimulation. Not anymore. (laughs) But then the problem, like that might work for 24 hours, Carrie. But the problem is, is that Mm -hmm. there isn't a timeline given to people being like, okay, well now at the 48 hour mark, I want you to go seek out your, this physio who is concussion literate. Yeah. And I want them to now start assessing your neck and assessing your metabolic capacity and looking at some symptoms because the earlier you get treatment, Mm -hmm. the better outcomes you get. And that's clearly shown actually a fascinating piece of research looks at women uh, compared to men. They have a longer time to get to treatment. And so that is one of the reasons that women tend to have symptoms longer than men in terms of recovery. It takes women longer to seek out treatment or to actually get the treatment that they need? No, to actually, I think, seek treatment, Carrie. So they- Oh, interesting. They typically will go to their doctor sooner, Mm -hmm. but the research kind of shows that they don't seem to get to the right person soon enough. Okay, interesting. Maybe they go to their family doctor. And so the reality is, unfortunately, family doctors, after you go back from the hospital, the person usually goes to the family doctor because they need some- accommodation for work or something along those lines. Yeah. They family doctors typically don't have any idea about what to do with a concussion because the prevailing thought still is 
it's going to resolve by itself. But there's a lot of things that we've already just talked about, like, for example, assessing your neck and maybe starting to do some gentle exercises or rehabilitation and encouraging movement rather than just going home and resting Mm -hmm. and hoping the brain recovers. And we haven't even talked about nutrition and all the things that you can do to feed your brain, right? (laughs) Oh, we will. It's on my list. (laughs) So that would be my first thing is that don't expect your family doctor unless they're really well-versed in the latest research to give you the best Mm -hmm. post-concussion advice. Okay. Which is why they're going to listen to this podcast and become super I think it's a great start. Yeah, educated on it. A- <laughs> it's, a, it's a start. It's a 45 minute start. That's 100%. All right. Before we get into nutrition, though, I do want to move like the next stage, which is what you typically focus on, is that post concussion syndrome. Yeah. And I think while the acute is critically important, so if people preventively listen to this and they do bump their head or hit their head pretty hard or, or they okay, they're like, okay, I get it now, the acute, I know what to do. But if somebody's listening, they're like, well, I hit my head two years ago, or I had a car accident and then I had another car accident and then I slipped on the ice or hit my, fell skiing or skateboarding. So now I'm three head bumps later and they're really still symptomatic. Can you talk about that post-concussion syndrome? Sure. Okay. So as I mentioned, not most people recover from concussion spontaneously, just with like kind of like resting, letting the body heal itself. Then there's the unlucky few, 10 to 30%, depending on what research study you look at, that go on to what we've termed, um, the medical community is termed post-concussion syndrome. And even the post-concussion syndrome isn't well, isn't well known, it isn't well defined. Mm-hmm. And it basically represents this group of people that just haven't gotten better and they and they have a whole breadth of symptoms carrying. Okay. There's a number of things. So Some of the key things that a person might be experiencing is all the same symptoms, except they continue to last past 30 days. So they continue to have headaches. They continue to have sleep abnormalities. They're super fatigued. They might notice that they've had gut issues. They have anxiety and depression. All these things have have different places in post-concussion. So now we get much wider. The latest research does also show that there are a number of different phenotypes, meaning clusters of symptoms of people that have PCS, which is post-concussion for short. Mm -hmm. And by the way, PCS is just like fibromyalgia or irritable bowel syndrome. It's kind of like a trash can diagnosis where you just kind of like, you have a whole bunch of things. And in my experience, everybody has a key underlying issue. And this is, it goes a good segue into those key kind of baskets of people that they have a type of PCS. Okay, And usually a concussion that goes into PCS exposes an underlying metabolic, structural, psychological weakness okay, or a predisposition. So for example, one of the clusters is inflammatory. So these people are the ones that respond usually very well to diet changes. Okay. And the key hallmark is they have localized inflammation. They're going to be able to pull their blood work and look at markers like CRP and it's going to be normal or maybe slightly elevated because they have some structural issues. But inflammatory, what I'm talking about is those those microglias are on high alert. Mm. They are in this, what's called a ramified state. They just keep pumping out all this inflammatory cytokines and signaling molecules. Right in the brain. And they just can't turn that off. Remember I said it was really easy to turn on and really hard to turn off. Yeah. And those people might be ones that have been struggling with food sensitivities before, and they have other immune triggers that were kind of like keep being kept in check. So there's the inflammatory phenotype. 
Then there's like a mental, emotional, psychological phenotype. And those people have a lot of mood changes, anxiety. I can't tell you how many people that I see are in a constant state of fight or flight. Mm. I would say that's the key observation that I've made with my patients is that they seem to not, these people that go on to PCS, they seem to not be able to turn their autonomic nervous system off and balance it. And so I'm sure you've had people talk about the difference between the parasympathetic and the sympathetic ones like your fight, flight, and freeze. Yeah. And then the parasympathetic is your rest, digest, recover, and your nervous system coming out of the central nervous system in the brain is always toggling between the two, depending on the needs. Right. And it seems like these people are stuck in that high sympathetic tone. So that is leading to things like anxiety, heart palpitations, changes in blood pressure that is mm. up and down, changes in pulse rate. I deal with people like this all the time. Yeah. Finally, the last kind of grouping is going to be people with neck structural issues. Oh. And this is a huge area. Again, I would say a really key takeaway point that if you're struggling with chronic concussion issues, you have to look at these three areas and one that's often missed, even by people that have seen physios and seen chiros, you need to see somebody that understands the TBI, like a concussion literate provider, because they're going to help you understand, not just like, do I have neck pain, but looking at the anterior neck, right? because there's a lot of like acceleration, deceleration, whiplash that occurs that whiplash, if you overlap whiplash with concussion, Carrie, it's almost the exact same symptoms. Not surprising given what you just said. Yeah, exactly the same. So a person may be getting all these symptoms, like for example, vision changes, dizziness. People are like, that has to be coming from my brain. In my experience, it's actually coming from their neck. Headaches, for example, muscle trigger points that refer from your big fat SCM muscle right here, or the little muscles underneath, which are called scalenes, Yeah, depending on the presentation, that is an area that's often overlooked by a lot of providers. So not only just focusing on here. And again, this is not something that you could take an x-ray of your spine and be like, yep. Oh yeah, there it is. Yeah. It, again, it's to do with the soft tissue. It's to do with the software instead of the hardware. So that gives you a better idea. I don't mean to cut you off, but how many people, if they were just listening right now and they were to just gently feel the, the, the neck muscles in the front. I know, it's sore, right? Every, a lot of people would just automatically go, wow, those feel tight. Or, wow, those, that's kind of tender. Right. Especially those of us who are on the computer all day. And if you've got that posture- That's me. Where you've got your chin jutted forward. Like, uh, can <laughs> I see? Uh... <laughs> yes. Exactly. You're like pushing your face up to the computer screen, then it's really going to affect those neck muscles. And that's- independent of a concussion, then you add a concussion onto it or, or whiplash, it's a weak point. And this is exactly what you just said. It's an area of weakness for most people. So the body without a trauma as a trigger, mm-hmm. it can kind of get away with it. So maybe they're like, oh, you know what? I've had poor posture for a decade. I had a computer desk. Um, I didn't, haven't really worked out. Remember working out is people think about it, it's like for form and, and weight, but it's also for injury prevention and also like long-term injury. So if you're you're sitting at your desk all day, you're putting pressure on your neck and you're putting pressure on your lower back because it's in a flexed position all the time. Mm-hmm. And if your core isn't strong, you're going to have you're going to have issues and then now put in a car accident. Yeah. Car accidents are one of the most common reasons why a person gets a concussion or a whiplash. Now all of a sudden you've triggered an underlying predisposition. Right. And there's many of them. So that's kind of PCS and then at this point the initial 
injury was a concussion, but I really am challenging my colleagues and I'll say everybody that's listening, you can't, you have to stop looking at it as a concussion at this point. Now you have to start looking at it as what's the underlying imbalance. So what I do as a naturopathic doctor, Mm -hmm. one that really focuses on functional medicine is looking at the metabolic underlying root causes. So I'm very well versed in the psychology Mm -hmm. and the manual and the structural, I know about them. I don't treat them, Mm -hmm. but I know I tell somebody that's an issue. You got to go see that person. That's an issue. You need to have a team of people that treat PCS. Okay. You cannot ever have one. If somebody tells you I can treat all that myself, I can, it's a one-stop shop. Probably not. In my experience, you gotta run the other way because that is, they're usually not focused enough in one area. And so what I do, my piece of the pie is the metabolic side. So specifically is what are foods that might be irritating and aggravating inflammation? Mm -hmm. What about the gut health? I deal a lot with people that have malabsorption issues. I deal a lot with SIBO people and Mm -hmm. dysbiosis that has been aggravated by concussion and also contributing to a concussion. One huge area, which I'm humbled to even bring up because you're the hormone guru is actually (laughs) hormones. Yeah. And all the hormones that um, we have in our bodies can be affected. So remember in the brain, we have the pituitary gland. You know that mm-hmm. everybody that's listening, it's your master hormone gland. And so mm-hmm. if you have a hit to the head, the research shows, and a lot of neurologists don't even know this, that even up to a year or more, you can have a deficiency or a change in hormone that shows up. And it sometimes doesn't show up within the first month. It might be continuing to progress because it's not like you're, pituitary gland shut down, right? It's more like it was damaged structurally, or it was damaged based on oxidative stress and inflammation. Mm -hmm. And it's slowly kind of like decreasing the amount of thyroid stimulating hormone is producing or slowly decreasing growth hormone, which is by the way, the most common one that is deficient or testosterone or adrenal uh, stimulating hormone. So there's That's an area that is massively, again, underappreciated. And that's what I do with my patients. I look at that. And I see that. I get that question a lot, I should say. I've had in in social media, in the comments, in the DMs, and I'm sure you have too, where male or female, they're like, I hit my head and my cycle has never been well since, or my thyroid was fine and now it's not. Is that, or a male who's like, I car accident or sports or military, whatever it is. And they're like, and now, and now it seems my testosterone has been declining over time, but yet I wouldn't have expected that. That's right. And they're depressed. And I'm like, yes. Or they're anxious. Yes. Yes. And those can all be hormonally related, right? Yes. Yeah. So we're looking, they're seeing the hormone, right? The end product is the hormone causing symptoms, but the original cause is just, as you said, if you get a hit to the head and it affects your pituitary gland, it's going to affect all those hormones downstream. 100% it is. Just like it's going to affect your gut downstream. I don't think people, I love that you bring that up and talk about that so much. I don't think people realize the extremely strong connection your intestinal tract has to your brain, which seems weird. I get it. It seems weird that your everything down there in your belly is connected up to your brain, but it is. And there's a lot of mechanisms that it does that. It's not just one, like we've talked mm-hmm. about the vagus nerve. So there mm-hmm. actually is a direct highway that can actually go both ways. Majority of the communication is actually going up from the gut, 80%. Mm-hmm. So think about it just this way. You hit your head. We talked about how your gut becomes more permeable. All of a sudden that leads to more exposure 
to your body, to maybe foods that before you were able to tolerate, but now that bagel and gluten that you're eating is inflaming your brain even more. Right. We also didn't have him talked about leaky gut happens, but there also is such a thing called leaky brain. Yeah. And that happens again. Yeah. Explain that. Yeah. In concussions, it happens more in severe brain injuries. Mm -hmm. However, it also happens and can happen in small amounts. And again, was the person's gut already leaky before they hit their head? Maybe, maybe they were drinking a little too much. Alcohol causes leakiness and permeability. Mm -hmm. It causes leakiness in the astrocytes, which are the main kind of like custodians of the blood-brain barrier. So there's so many ways we can talk about neurotransmitters. There's a huge connection between serotonin and a 90% of it's produced in the gut. We can talk about that's the area where immune cells are being told what is self and what is not self autoimmunity and the development and the tolerance of your immune system to your own tissues mm-hmm. is developed there. So that is a massively important connection because one thing that I don't even talk about too much, but I'm really tracking in the research is there could be a potential for an autoimmune reaction to a blood brain barrier. Oh no. That is one of the underlying issues with post-concussion syndrome. So that is something that the research is just trying to scratch the surface. And that, again, based on all the mechanisms I just outlined, that would be no surprise, Carrie, that that actually is happening. It'd be no surprise to me either, actually. And as I kept kept saying, oh no. (laughs) So, okay, what do we do? What do we do? What you nutrition, gut health, metabolics, the mental, emotional. There's a lot. There's a lot that goes into this. I understand, and it, and obviously this is only a, a short podcast, so it's not like seeing you as a patient, but just superficially, give us some hope. What what do people look at? So, in my experience, the place that people go wrong the most mm-hmm. is that if you have a concussion, you don't get a treatment early enough. Mm. So that we're talking acute. So just to summarize acutely, you need to get treatment from a manual provider's perspective, someone that's going to look at structure, because at least they're usually the ones that are going to be best positioned to give you some good advice on how to move, Mm -hmm. what tissues can we address before they become chronic. Right away, a person can start following a paleo style diet or an anti-inflammatory style diet. I hope if I say that, most people kind of know what that is. You might need to just explain it a little bit for people. Yeah. Just so everyone's on the same page. Sure. So basically, very simply, avoiding foods that are processed. So eating whole foods. This is not a vegan diet. It's not a carnivore diet. Mm -hmm. You can eat more plant-based. You can eat more animal meat-based. But the key principle is no sugars, no processed foods, really minimizing any sort of refined grains, especially. Mm -hmm. So you can still do things like rice and quinoa. So it's not restrictive like that. Mm -hmm. I know you could probably Google things. And my patients tell me all the time, doctor, what do you think about keto? Mm -hmm. And I tell them my honest opinion is that it might be really helpful, but that's not the first thing a person should be starting because it's really intense. You've never done it before trying to get into <laughs> keto, stay into keto. Right. Most people actually don't achieve that. So especially with a brain injury. Yeah, exactly. You got to do something that's easy. Yeah. Right. Like it's hard enough just for the average person, let alone that who somebody who just had a concussion. That's right. So cut out sugars, cut out processed foods, eat whole foods. Okay. Try to do that for two to four weeks. Okay. Cut out alcohol. Right. Maybe enough. And cut out alcohol. That would be absolutely. Secondly, if you really want to take it up a notch, I would suggest try to cut out gluten for 
four weeks. Gluten, okay. in my experience, is the biggest offender by far. Okay. Okay. So that's the first step nutritionally. If you're cutting out processed foods, you got to put in good, colorful fruits and vegetables. That's like the, the main crux because those fruits and vegetables are full of the antioxidants that will aid your body's own healing system. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. The same thing, if you're listening to this and you have post-concussion syndrome or anything like that, if you haven't gotten with gone down the diet pathway, you should absolutely do that right away. And maybe a, that person might need a little bit more coaching and more support from a naturopathic doctor or somebody like that, that's well-versed in nutrition, because there is some personalization that occurs. Yeah. The principles for acute and chronic are up to here so far the same. Okay. The second thing that is very important is for a person that has PCS carry, they need to get a proper assessment. Okay. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I've had symptoms after concussion for the last year, Mm -hmm. I would critically evaluate your concussion team. Okay. Is my, have I been looked at by somebody that is concussion literate? Have I looked at my neck? Okay, no. If I haven't, then I will find somebody as a for a second opinion. If you're seeing anybody, including myself, mm -hmm. if a person seeing me as a patient and they're not getting better within two or three months, move on, find somebody else because that is usually the amount of time that's needed. Unless they tell you specifically like your, this is the steps we've to have you on. Okay. You got to find somebody. So find the right team. And start assessing those underlying issues, structural, inflammatory, and the psychological side. To me, that would be the best thing to kind of start off with. Make sure that you actually are addressing your underlying issues. I love that. I love that. And I think that's definitely very approachable, especially when you have a hit to the head. You may not be, you don't feel great. You definitely don't feel 100%. You're not acting 100%. And to the dietary support for four weeks is doable. I mean, I know for some people that who, are, who live on processed food, that can seem really pretty extreme. But I think for a lot of people, they could recognize the why. They understand like, okay, when I'm eating processed food, fried food, fast food, foods that I know aren't good for me, but I'm eating them anyway for whatever reason. Now they understand, okay, it's probably inflaming my gut and affecting my brain. And for brain, four yeah. weeks, let's do it for four weeks and help the healing process. Exactly. And the sooner you do it, I think the better chance you have to heal. Okay. And then I'm, I'm sure people that are listening are probably thinking, okay, what about supplements? What about nutrients? Right. I was just going to ask, are there, or even medications, are there yeah. medications that people go on acutely or even with PCS or supplements, either acute or with PCS? Yeah. So interestingly enough, every four years or so, it's been a little longer now because of COVID, but the best and the brightest in the concussion research world get together in a certain city and they have a consensus, meaning that they basically summarize all the research. And the most recent one was in Berlin. And even in that consensus, Carrie, and, and I observe the research all the time, it clearly mm -hmm. says there are no neuro-treatment or neuro-preventative medications for concussion. Okay. There are symptomatic treatments. For example, if you have a headache, a person can take a Tylenol or people can, a person can take a right. NSAID medication, mm -hmm. but they're not, it's, for example, you think that taking an anti-inflammatory would help inflammation, but there has been studies done on that and they found that actually it made the brain worse mm. and made symptoms worse. So those studies were stopped and weren't, weren't continued. Okay. So while they might help your symptoms, Carrie, I would suggest that using medications, especially excessively early on, like I've had a couple of people that I've seen that have had chronic gut issues because they were just said, okay, go home and just take Advil to deal with the pain. And they eventually got gastritis from that. Yeah, unfortunately. So that, you know, there are things that you could do that actually might harm you a little bit more than help you. 
And then a lot really common one is kind of like the typical anti, like usually after a month or two, if you keep having headaches, they might say, let's try a medication mm. like nortriptyline, which is like something for a nerve conduction that reduces some of the, the pain signals, let's say. But again, it's not really supporting or healing the brain. Yeah. So that's where nutrients really, I think, shine because there's so many different mechanisms that are happening in a concussion. Drugs are really good at one specific thing, Carrie, as you know, but not really effective at multiple wide spectrum things. And so mm-hmm. you have to think about things like omega-3s. And a lot of people mm-hmm. have probably tried this and they've probably said, it doesn't really make a difference. The dose is often a really big issue of it's too low, mm. maybe the, uh, the ability to absorb it. So you really need a really good quality omega-3 that has both EPA and DHA. Sometimes people go high DHA and low EPA. You can try that too. Not DHA. 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 Yeah. DHA. Okay. I was making sure I heard you right. So people don't go run out and buy DHEA. (laughs) DHA. DHA. Yes. Yeah. Those are the two components of omega-3s. Yeah. EPA. And then you got to kind of take it with food and you got to take it for at least again, four weeks to get the beneficial effect. Mm -hmm. Definitely something like magnesium would be helpful. The shows, the research shows that magnesium dramatically drops right after a concussion because of its use in ATP production. It's the main backbone for ATP, the energy. Do you have a favorite type of magnesium? I think acutely, I would say really anything like mag citrate, glycinate, but there are like magnesium L-theranate. I've used my patients. It's the one that's kind of touted as being more brain available. Mm-hmm. It is more expensive and it's a lower dose. So there's a bit of a, a trade-off there, but I do use that with my patients and they do report that they feel like it's a little bit more calming. And the idea is, is it gets into the central nervous system a little bit better. Those are two really reasonable, solid things that are quite safe, but always whenever you're dealing with any supplements, work with somebody that's going to guide you with that and that give you some specific yeah. advice on how to take these supplements. Cause there's many others. There's lots of them that have been researched like curcumin and, and resveratrol and green tea and quercetin and melatonin and all these things have evidence on it. Creatine, for example, branching mm-hmm. amino acids, all of them have some preclinical or clinical research on it, but now it's, it gets a bit personalized. So yeah, that's a good place to start. I would say. This has been amazing. I feel like we just opened up the encyclopedia of Dr. Paul Herkel on concussions (laughs) and got it in about 45 minutes. This is fantastic. So I do have one last question. I just want to make sure that with the listeners, I'm all about practical and tactical, right? I'm all about approachable. You have talked at length about root cause things, which I appreciate as it relates to concussions, but what's What would you say is kind of your biggest or one piece takeaway when it comes to concussions, specifically the long-term, the the PCS part that you really want a listener to walk away, but that's the last thing that they've heard. That's the last thing they understand. If you have post-concussion issues, post-whiplash, anything, any sort of head trauma, you need to address three areas and you have to critically evaluate them. You have to address your structural or manual side of things. You need that team member as part of your concussion care team. You need to address the metabolic side of things. So that's testing. Is my hormones off? If you haven't had that done, or if your family doctors did like some basic ones, you might need additional testing. Mm -hmm. And part of that is also, you have to have had some sort of nutritional and nutrient support. And then Mm -hmm. thirdly, and maybe most importantly, there has to be a mindset or a mental psychological approach. A lot of people that have been in chronic pain for a while, that have had some sort of issues, you have to have someone on your team that, again, is a psychologist that's working with some of those maybe negative 
coping techniques that you've put in place and replace them with positive ones. Those three things, Carrie, are the absolute foundation of anybody getting better. And that's exactly what we did with the concussion fix course is that we try to educate people and give them practical tools on each one of those areas to address those key foundations. Because a lot of times somebody will have an underlying issue in one of those three areas that they thought maybe they addressed, but they, mm-hmm. they didn't really know it until they actually took a really good look. So okay. that would be my tactical thing. So it sounds like a bit of a strategy. I love it. But there isn't, you know, unlike maybe PCOS, there's like, okay, you can take this one inositol and it's really helpful. The research is awesome. Mm. There isn't like that, anything like that for concussion. It's incredibly personalized. There are some general things I talked about, but when we get into PCS, Carrie, at this point, Mm -hmm. it really is no longer post-concussion. It's what was the ramifications of all that? And now you have to find your root cause. And it might be my adrenals are totally dysfunctional. We have to repair your adrenal system. That's a mm-hmm. common pattern I see. Yeah. So hopefully that is helpful for your listeners to kind of get themselves started as a bit of a plan. And tell us about the concussion fix, because it, again, you make it practical and tactical in this course. I do. For people. Yeah. So I collaborated with a colleague of mine, actually two colleagues, one of them is Dr. Cameron Marshall. He's a chiropractor who has dedicated his whole career to treat and to teach other providers about concussion and also a psychotherapist, Melinda Krinan Hill. And so we, again, we put it together based on our clinical experience of being like, okay, how do we spread this message past the people that we just see? Because I want to create a tool that I wish everybody has access to that even before they came and saw me carry that I want Mm -hmm. them to have like this foundation. Right. And so it was a bit of like a selfish thing at the beginning of like, you know, we just, I just want to help people better and speed mm-hmm. up the process. Mm-hmm. But as we kind of have had over a thousand people that have gone through it now, mm-hmm. we have observed, cause we actually check what is their pre and what is their post kind of mm-hmm. symptom scores with concussions. And we noticed they were making dramatic improvements just by taking the course. Hey, So a lot of it, it is online. You can just do it at your own pace. There also is a live component to it where every week uh, one of us or special guests will come on and teach a specific topic. There's also question and answer periods that people can join in on. There's a whole forum with tons of past information and it's just full of resources. People can consume it at their own pace. And then we're also available to kind of have uh, questions bounced off us as part of that group. So I found it incredibly rewarding to be able to put something like that together and really help people outside the boundaries of my clinical practice, because yeah. it is the most common neurological condition in the world. Every like 15 seconds, somebody gets a concussion in the world. So we need to find a way to spread the message in a better way. And this is the way to do that. So that's concussiondoc.io. You'll see my colleagues, Dr. Cam's Marshall's face pop, pop up right away. Concussiondoc.io. How many people want to check it out? And that's where they can find it. Concussiondoc, D-O-C. Yeah, dot I-O. Dot I-O. Okay. And then how do people find you? I mean, I have a rudimentary website because I do talk a little bit about that. Instagram is a great place to go. I have great content there. Mm-hmm. If they want to go back and check that out, you and I have done a, a bunch of lives together, that which has been awesome. Yep. A great place, probably the most active place if pe- is to check me out through this concussion course because okay. it's where that community is just really, really happening. And I think that I'll send you this. I'm sure you can put in the show notes. We created like a 50% off coupon for your listeners if they want to check it out. So, oh, fantastic. Yeah. You just have to put in root cause. Root cause. 
You're amazing. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. I wanted to make sure we took care of uh, all the people that are listening to your podcast. <laughs> Fantastic. So definitely everyone who's listening, Root Cause, get you 50% off. I love that. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. It was fun. I really appreciate it. This has just been a wealth of information. And uh, like I said, when we watched the Japanese snowboarder <laughs> take out a chunk of that wall with their head, I actually, I didn't tell you this part, but at the after I freaked out about her, I said to my husband, if I ever hit my head and I'm knocked out, I said, just, I just need to remember Paul Herkel. Like just find him, <laughs> find him on social media. He knows who I am and he will help us. <laughs> he will help me. <laughs> I will help you. I'll, I'll be there for you hundred percent. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on the Root Cause Medicine podcast. You're welcome. I really appreciate it, Carrie. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I have one quick favor to ask before you go. If you love today's conversation, would you mind leaving us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on right now? My whole goal is education. So positive reviews are actually the number one thing that help new people discover the show. You're amazing. I so appreciate it. And I'll catch you on the next episode.